WB Realty, Central Iowa's premier real estate brokerage. WB has all the tools and the resources needed to make your next real estate transaction your best. Go to wbrealty.com to find out more information today. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Whenever you listen to the Shooter's Touch, that's our favorite time of the day, and we appreciate you listening. I'm Brian Claude, joined as always by my guy Adam V. Adam, we have a fun guest today. What uh, what can you tell our listeners uh, that what they can expect here? Yeah, we have Jack Brownlee on the pod this week. Jack is a longtime friend of the podcast. Um, you've watched him growing up. I've watched him from college on, and uh, just a really cool guest. A really, really, really fun um, conversation we had. Uh, it's good to know a little bit more about you know his time um, in Fort Dodge High School onto Kirkwood and then on onto Iowa uh, to compete in the Big Ten as a Hawkeye. So uh, really fun conversation. Excited for you guys to listen to him. Um, and it was good, to, as usual, to connect with somebody that, you know, we've been watching, like I said, and and uh, competed against after uh, after um, after the big boys, after he uh, was in the Big Ten. Yeah, and it was one of those things that uh, surprisingly a guy that we competed at in the the local city circuits that we didn't even get to that we had we had so much to talk with him about future stars and uh, obviously his run in the state tournament at St. Ed's and his time at Kirkwood in Iowa but uh, yeah Jack was one that I watched uh, growing up obviously playing in our conference up in the North Central Conference and so um, been a guy that been in contact with for a long time huge hoop head I mean the guy just loves and lives and breathes basketball and the culture that comes with it the sneakers the hip-hop music everything about it so it was a fun conversation look forward to you guys uh listening to it and uh as always uh, wherever you get your podcast drop a five star it helps us out with the algorithm and, and tell a friend about it it's the shooter's touch and jack brownlee i got the shooter's touch can't nobody shoot like me fourth quarter down three need a two and one better call on me better call on me if you know you need a shooter i'm ice cold like a cooler get you right though i can tutor this that mic flow i'm a hooper i got blue faces well shooters as mentioned jack brownlee jack welcome to the shooters touch thanks man thanks for having me yeah, man, we're excited. Uh, appreciate you taking some time. Um, we're going to get into the state tournament talk. Uh, that's a big reason why we had you on in a couple of runs that uh, you took the Gales on. But uh, before we get into it, um, relevancy here, what did you think of the All-Star game last night? You know, I it's funny. I don't – I'm a huge NBA fan, huge basketball fan, but really big NBA fan. But I've never been – super into the uh all-star game i've been into like the saturday night dunk contest three-point contest rookie game but strangely i haven't been that excited for all-star games um but you know last night was incredible i thought just i think uh, the shooting was on display how deep these guys can shoot it uh and and you know sometimes people like to say the nba doesn't play defense but i was watching last night like it's impossible to guard these guys anymore. They just shoot it so deep that, it, I mean, it's just it's, it's incredible. Yeah, they almost need to set the teams up where they put Dame on one side and Curry on the other and then work your way back from there because having those two guys on the same team, it's not even fair in a game like that. Yeah, the range of those two guys especially is crazy. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Obviously, a condensed version of the All Star Game. Um, I'm I'm in the same boat as you as far as I, I like the skills challenge and watching some of that just because it's different. Um, yesterday was a little bit different with that, but I think last year kind of maybe the 
kind of brought my attention a little bit more back to the game and the different format because that game last year was awesome. And then um, obviously last night, uh, Team LeBron was just too good. But um, another big win yesterday was uh, for your Hawks. What do you think uh, here? We're into March now. What, what's the outlook for the Hawks? You know, I, you know, defensively, sometimes they have some weaknesses. I think, you know, the casual fan can see, uh, but I, but I love their, uh, their grit. I kind of, I love their toughness. Um, obviously Garza is a, is the load, but I think they've got a lot of guys. It's, it's nice. Uh, you want to look for teams to make runs in the tournament that, that have guys that can spread the floor and, and not just one or two scores, but we've got like three or four guys that, that could get 15, 18 points. Um, and so that makes us dangerous. Um, it's first time in a long time. I'm really, really excited about, you know, the potential of what we could do. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, uh, I think it's obviously we've been talking about on the pod comes on the defensive end and they've been playing defense uh, here the last two months of the season. And um, now it's just going to come down to staying healthy. Obviously we camp going down um, yesterday, but it sounds like everything's all right there and keeping CJ on the floor. Um, they have the guys, they have the horses. And so I think this is going to be a fun March. Oh yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, it should be good. Um, and obviously, March means state tournament time here in the state of Iowa um, with the boys' state tournament starting this week. Uh, you guys, your your high school team, Jack, had some uh, had some really good runs down there, uh, some really good games, really good tournaments. Um, what was one thing that you remember the first time you stepped on to the floor at Betts Auditorium? Uh, well, you know, I, I just – I think it was important for me um, – getting to see the environment before actually playing there, you know, growing up, going to the state tournament. I think if parents, you know, it's really important for the kids to experience that. I just, I saw it and it was like, man, I got to get there. Um, and, you know, one of the first memories I have is, is, you know, we've run out of the locker room to start the game. One guy would go to the right, one guy would go to the left. We'd run around, meet at half court, you know, do our little thing. And I remember thinking, man, it's taking a lot longer to get to half court than it normally does, you know, that, and that's when it really hit me. Like, man, this, this is a big court, <laughs> you know, this is, this is, uh, this is a lot bigger than what we're used to. So um, that was the first memory I had. That's great. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I played down there one, one, one year as well. And uh, I can remember specifically the coach, the head coach before the game saying, now the floor is raised. So don't be the one to trip when you're going out on the court because, to a school we don't we, we don't have that type of thing you know so um that's what i was thinking about until i got out on the court but you're right that uh that court's a little bigger and uh you know just running plays running fast breaks pressing it uh it uh, creates a different um a different challenge for offense and defense out there for sure so it's kind of fun watching mm -hmm. these high school teams do that right i mean you know that week practicing we kind of talked about the size of the court and thought it was an advantage for us. I mean, some teams that might not be guys, especially the team we played my first game, my junior year, they were very post heavy, big guys. And so we thought, you know, if we could spread them out and really run, get them moving, not only get them tired, but uh, get, you know, sometimes get them in foul trouble because of the fatigue. And, and that's kind of what happened in that first game against Cascade for us. We were able to foul out their best player, Craig Callahan, and I think maybe part of it was, you know, he was just sick and tired of running up and down as fast as he could. Um, and so that worked. 
Yeah, that's great. And um, obviously game plans help, help out as well. It sounds like you guys had a good one, but let's maybe talk a little bit about that, that run to the state tournament junior year. So junior year was, was first time you guys made state. Um, obviously, you know, with the season, you know, made state. So it was a good season, but what did that, what did that entire season look like? What was the record? Um, what was the journey like uh, um, here before you made state? So uh, backtrack a little as a sophomore, uh, we had a lot of guys in my class play a lot. Uh, we were a 500 team. Kind of started to click a little bit late in the year. Uh, made a run to the sub-state final, but lost by about 25 to Iowa Falls. You know, Nick Collison, Mike Lindemann, uh, Prentice lost that, that team. And um, it was a good experience, but, you know, we knew, <laughs> we knew we weren't going to the state tournament that year. Uh, so the junior year, we thought, you know, we returned every, you know, our core. Um, a lot of guys made a lot of improvements that summer, but again, we were like the whole time thinking, man, Iowa Falls is still there. They're seniors now. And, um, and I don't remember when they release, I don't remember when they released the district pairings, um, how, how late into the season. But, um, when we found out Iowa Falls wasn't in our, our district, we were really pumped because we, we knew we had a shot at, at getting to the state tournament. Um, we went like 19 and six or seven my junior year. And uh, uh, it was a great experience. We, we just, I think everybody in the state tournament knew they were playing for second. And that's a little bit of different mindset and attitude. Um, so we were really just trying to get experience, um, further grow as a team and, and do as well as we can. And, uh, and, you know, again, I think a sign of a good team is, is teams that, play and win late we did our sophomore year and we really did our junior year and that was huge just a lot of momentum going to that tournament yeah probably a big sigh of relief that uh don't don't have to run up to uh the cadets there in Iowa Falls which is obviously yeah. good for you guys so obviously made it there uh you mentioned it, you beat Cascade um in what seemed like you know a, a little bit of a different team a little bit of a different game than what you guys are used to um what happened after that uh um, with the cast with, with the cascade game, I've said, like you said, beat those, then played Jessup, I believe. Pella Christian. Oh, sorry. Pella Christian on there. Um, yeah. yeah. And cool. And then, so with, with, with that game, obviously it's different, you know, your second time on the, on the, on the floor at, uh, at Vets auditorium. Um, you know, what was that game like? How did, how did that game end up? And, you know, where was the, where was the mindset after that, after that first win against cascade? Yeah, I mean, going into Cascade, again, we didn't know a whole lot. We just knew they were big, um, and our tallest guy was 6'3". So we played a 2-3 zone most of that game and got and kind of back then uh, we shot, I think, like 23 threes, 24 threes, which is a lot for a team to shoot in the early 2000s. Um, and once we won that game, it was like relief. It was like in my head, I was like, we got to get that first one. I don't want to come down here, lose the first one, and not really necessarily feel like we we played. You know, even if we lose the second, we get a third. Uh, it was going to be great experience for the for the our senior year run. Um, so we went up against Pella Christian. They finished. Uh, let's see. Okay, yeah. So they had they had some juniors um, that were really good in our class, and um, they were up most of the game. We made a big run. In the fourth, down three, called timeout, drew up a play for our best shooter, Keegan Clemens, and uh, it just didn't work out. We're dead, you know. Um, 
and they went on to lose to Owl Falls that next game by a lot. And uh, and then we were end up playing Jessup, like you said, in the consolation game. But um, you know, it's it's been twenty two years now, and I still kind of kick myself. I have I had all the confidence in the world. Keegan Clemens was going to make the shot, but I had I had it going a little bit in the fourth, and I I, I wish I would have, you know, demanded the shot there. Um, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty there, but uh, still kick myself a little bit for that. Was it a was it a good play? Open shot for Keegan. Great play, great play. Dribbled him off the wing. I I, I uh, pushed him off, and then he was under the hoop. He came off a double screen. They kind of closed the the gate there and he caught it uh great look um and i think he had a few that game uh leading up so uh, that year he's by far best shooter in terms of volume and um and so yeah we had confidence in him but rattled out shout out coach k on that play then huh right right he's not known for for those x's and o's plays but uh when it's uh out of timeout sometimes he he'll bust them out that are that are great he yeah can go, he, the, he can go in the bag a little bit he'll go in the bag and find something yeah right right you know and then and in those gate plays i don't i don't feel like those are utilized enough those are some uh you that's, know if you if you close the door quick enough i mean that guy that's guarding the shooter can't can't get through that you know it's uh mm-hmm. i don't i don't think i don't can, think that yeah the only thing I didn't like about it is sometimes it's hard to catch the ball going away from the hoop. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like the momentum and then trying to square. Like sometimes you want to be, I don't know. It, it, it creates a little uh, confusion with the footwork, but, um, but again, Keegan planted, had a good look, um, just didn't fall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned, so after losing that game, uh, played in the constellation game, and uh, how did how did that game end up? And then if you could tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, mind, mindset going into that, because obviously, you know, playing for, um, you know, not playing for the Constellation game, there there is still a lot to play for. Yeah. But, you know, just 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 yeah. um, just come off that loss and not playing for a conference champion or excuse me, a state title anymore. Yeah, to be honest, it was the Christian game was really deflating. Um, and. You know, it, it, you know, when you make a big run, it felt really good, a lot of momentum, and then you come up short to play at 10 a.m. the next day. It was uh, it was deflating on us. We st- I mean, looking back, we stayed up really late messing around and just didn't have our heads in it and, and started off really slow and just couldn't get back in it. We lost that game. Um, and it, was, it probably a lot of it was on me. I was kind of, you know, uh, I didn't. I it just again I, I I didn't wasn't as motivated as I should have been in that consolation because looking back it's you only get six games ever to play there we only got you know we didn't know if we we're coming back the next year so it could have been our last game on that floor um, but but just losing that game and, and playing for that consolation it, it we our our mindset wasn't where it should have been yeah understandable too I mean you know it's not uh, it's not the NBA it's not college you know it's just high school basketball so that's that's for sure understanding but. Uh, Obviously, good season that year. Um, let's maybe talk in a transition a little bit to the summer of your senior year, summer before your senior year. What did AAU look like? You know, who would you play with um, as far as players and teams go? Uh, I played with Martin Brothers. Um, and, you know, I played the guys on my team that maybe you guys, everybody probably have heard of is Glenn Worley, Sean Sondeleiter, 
Um, Jeff Horner played up with us. Uh, let's see, David Roddinghouse. Um, so we had a lot of, you know, high major talent on our team. And uh, for me, it was a big summer because um, it, well, it was going to be my last AU summer. And I had no idea what I was going to do for college. Um, I had, a, a, you know, all those guys were going to Iowa. And, and in the back of my mind, I really wanted to go there. I didn't tell anybody that, but that's that's what I wanted to do. And I knew, you know, I would see Alford at our games and um, watching those guys. And I really tried to play well and get his get noticed by him. I didn't. Um, but but it was a great summer for, you know, just playing against really good players and um, building confidence in myself. Um, just, you know, I, I did okay. And um, I just – I grew – a lot mentally and physically. And, and it was a big summer for me coming back the next year. Well, and I think we, we glossed over a little bit because the year before you had a unique opportunity when you first joined Martin brothers, correct? Cause you played with Martin brothers your junior year as well. Um, and, and had that yeah. fill it essentially how'd that work? Cause it was, it was you or Corver, right? And they decided to take you. Is that right? No, no, no. <laughs> so it, sure. I, I would love to say that. Um, so, yeah, it was the, the, the class above me. And they had uh, Corver play a little bit, but he decided to play with a different team. Um, and so they had an opening spot. And, um, and I, you know, I knew all about Martin Brothers. I knew that, you know, going to Future Stars camps, I'd see guys shooting around like Collison and Kirk Heinrich and um, Sean Hughley, guys like that, that would have the there goes Martin on their shorts. And I was like, man, I just want to be a part of that somehow. And um, the coach of that, Hank Huddleston, um, he, I think he coached one of my games in one of those spring future stars and um, got my number afterward. And then um, I wasn't sure what team he wanted me to play for. And then he ended up calling me and saying, what, let me know I was going to play up and who, what guys were on the team. And it was one of the, ha you know, the happiest days of my life up to that point. I was so pumped and, you know, I, I was so little and the only Jersey they had left was number 50. And I looked like the coach's kid that they were just bringing along to, you know, just, just the coaches, you know, the kid on the sideline who's got, who just dribbles between his legs all the time, but he's little. And he's like, Oh, he's going to be good when he gets older. Um, you know, I never played, um, rarely played, but it was so awesome to watch how those guys work and, and getting to know those guys and just being a part of that, even without playing, I, I, I learned a lot. And that's, I, I credit that to a big part of why I found more success. My junior years is, is just absorbing everything that summer. Well, and uh, you have to correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think you also got a little experience being an agent too. Didn't you, didn't you start fielding some calls for these guys or how did that all go down when you guys were out on, on. Yeah. On I was road? like, Yeah. <laughs> I was like the little kid who was just so happy to be there. Uh, I wasn't really, everybody else was, you know, on the team was kind of, you know, trying to play it cool. And I was just this little guy who was so pumped to be a part of all that. And it was so crazy to me that those coaches were at my, my games essentially. And it was the summer, uh, you know, Kirk had committed to Iowa state. Nick was, still looking around at, you know, Iowa, Iowa State, Duke, and, and Kansas. Uh, and 
you know, that it, we were in Orlando and uh, that was when Tim Floyd, before he announced he was leaving for the Chicago Bulls, he had called. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. You know, I, I was the young guy again and I didn't get a, my own bed. So I had to sleep on the couch um, at this little condo that they rented. And uh, I woke up one morning early and Kirk was on in the kitchen table on the, on the phone, shaking his head. And I was asking if everything's all right. And he was like, he didn't say anything. He's just like here and handed the phone and walked off. And it was Floyd um, telling all the recruits and, and, and the Iowa state staff and players that he had chosen to go to the bulls. Um, he was leaving Iowa state and, you know, that was a, I mean, it was really cool experience for me. Um, and I think, you know, Kirk was really disappointed and, uh, and realized he was going to have to get to work and figure out where he was going to go with, little amount of time and um, so that was really cool which that brings to my next question um how so how how quickly was the transition obviously he had plenty of suitors um what was it a, a quick number two or was there a little bit of a process for him to obviously settle on kansas yeah i think uh i think recruiting was a little bit different back then that uh, when guys were committed uh just because of the access guys have now with the coaches have now to these kids that I think they, when, when guys were committed back then, it was a little bit like they kind of stacked off. <laughs> and so when he was committed, I would say it wasn't, he wasn't really getting hounded by, by schools. Like he, like maybe he would have in today's game with just the ease of text messaging. And so um, I think he just realized that he, he still may go to Iowa state, but they didn't have a coach. I wouldn't have a coach. At the time, it was, you know, Tom Davis had just finished. Um, and so they were figuring out who to hire that summer as well. And so, um, well, I'll never forget is, is, you know, I had played that whole summer with those guys. But when he found out he was going to have to open his recruiting up, he really turned his game up to another level to where I was like, man, this guy's an NBA player. You know, before I was like, this guy's a really good player, college player, big time. And then that week in Orlando I was like this guy's an NBA player and um and he had every coach calling you know found out he was you know open um so so every coach was calling our our condo that whole week trying to speak to him or speak to Hank and um and so I tried to answer the phone as much as I could because I just wanted to hear what coaches were calling and um yeah I, I looking back I was I acted like a 12 year old instead of like a 16 year old like i was so excited to be there um but you, well, that's like, i mean you learn a lot forget. you learn a lot from that experience though i mean you're just you know obviously growing up and looking back like god i could have like taken a lot more but stuff that subconsciously you wouldn't even know you were absorbing and using and putting in your bag mm -hmm. to pull out later and so that's just I, mm -hmm. I don't know such a neat experience obviously you learn from every experience in life um what so how big of last question on these guys and we'll, we'll move on but how big of a deal was it with those two both nick now undecided and kirk open um and their relationship as far as becoming a package deal was it was that a sure thing or was it just coincidence that that worked out that way no i don't think so i i don't think so i i think they were obviously close um but i think they both wanted to go um to the best you know position for them you know kirk almost went to oklahoma he was really close to going to Oklahoma. Uh, 
what, who was the coach? Kelvin Sampson was the coach there. And they had a really good team, like Final Four team. Um, and, and I think, you know, Nick took a visit to Duke. Uh, but, but I think, I think Kansas, you know, if you ever go to Kansas, go to a game at Kansas, it's like, how do you, how does anybody turn it down? Um, and so, uh, so I don't think they were necessarily a package deal, but, but man, those two played so well together, um, that, you know, that's, it made sense. Well, it's weird to even kind of think about those two not in a Kansas uniform this many years later. You know, you like think about, mm-hmm. oh, geez, what could have been? But it's like, I don't know. Something just seemed right about those two guys. Uh, Roy Williams, secondary break. I mean, everything about it just just seemed to be a good mm-hmm. fit. And, and obviously, if it wasn't for a guy named Carmelo Anthony, it would have been a, a really yeah. good fit for him. Or Jerry McNamara, six threes yeah. in the first half. Six for six in the first <laughs> half as a freshman. Wild, wild. Um, wait, uh, a couple things I want to unpackage there is number one, you mentioned the uh, um, you, you mentioned the shorts that Martin, Martin Brothers had, and it was uh, as a freshman, I'll never, I'll never forget it. But seeing those shorts at like a future stars camp or wherever it is, you didn't even know the person, but you kind of thought in the back of your mind, oh, he must be a pretty good basketball player if he's mm-hmm. wearing those shorts. So it's funny that that that, that you mentioned that because I definitely yeah. remember those two. It and was like a stamp how, of approval. Yeah, for sure it was. And then how how good um, were those future stars camps? I mean, I went went to several of them, and just you know the amount of good basketball players, competition there, and being able to like watch that uh, as a as mm-hmm. as a player, honestly, was was so fun, and just the uh, the environment and the you know the 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 kind of setup of of, of those future stars camps. Yeah, it was great. You know, it it taught a lot because. You know, looking back, I don't know how the recruiting side of it, you know, you'd have evaluators watching each game. And I don't know how effective that was with college coaches. But at the time, it was like, well, that was when you really had to perform. It, it really taught us, you know, like, hey, the, you know, I got to really rise to the occasion here. I got Van Coleman sitting on the corner of the court watching with a pencil, like <laughs> marking stuff down. And it, you know, it, it, it taught a lot. It, I mean, that camp gave me everything because – I was able to get on that Marlboro's team because of Future Start. And I have these relationships to this day that I made playing AU. Um, and so, you know, Hank Huddleston and, and, and John Martin and Van Coleman, they gave me a lot of that, you know, that I'm, I'm very appreciative of. Those, uh, those shootouts at Drake, um, I remember the first time that, um i walked into the the bell center so you obviously we had all three courts mm-hmm. going in the bell center we had the nap center they had we had dudes going everywhere um and everybody was there like that was like what was the cool thing about it i mean you know you had everybody who was somebody that was there and then you always had those guys come over from chicago and the quad cities and stuff and i remember walking into the bell mm-hmm. center and dudes just yapping just going at it and nathan funk's out there and just busting dude just hitting fadeaways and glass work and just i'm like okay like this you know this kid is mm-hmm. and then you have horner and bruner on the same team and you have henderson stealing from everybody who gets over half core and it's like it was high high level stuff and like you said i think it just was an opportunity especially for just a you know a nobody d3 player like me to go and watch these guys and what they do um, and just kind of prepare yourself and take it back to your season and your gym back home in your small town and be like, all right, mm-hmm. I put in some work if I want to, I want to see Go Martin going by me every time. 
Yeah. Yeah. I remember. So this is a funny story. So you guys probably do this too. You know, you check into future stars, you'd get the packet of the teams. You'd look at who's on your team. You'd see who's all, all the, what players are there. And I remember it, it was uh, at the shootout in Des Moines. And I think it was like 10th, 11th and 12th would play. And then like would be the, like the older kids. And then they would have like, what? Uh, ninth, eighth, and seventh grader play too. It was two different divisions, and they and on the packet they'd have the grades next to the names. And I, the team I was playing, I was looking at the team, and I was going to be a junior, uh, I believe, or I was. It was the spring of my junior year, I believe. And um, man, might have been my sophomore. But anyway, I was looking at the team I was playing, and it was all these guys, you know, tenth grade, ninth, eleventh grade, twelfth grade, and there was a fifth grader playing up. Not even not playing up to the the first division, playing with a big kid. I was like a fifth grader from Peoria, Illinois. So uh, I played against him, and he was really little. And I was like, man, this dude's really good, though. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget his dad. His dad was about five eleven, and the kid, the the fifth grade kid, ended up being Sean Livingston. And I was like, I remember telling myself, I was like, I'm, I got to remember this kid, like, you know, fifth grader, um, and he obviously grew up to be about six eight, but. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was fifth grader playing with the high school kids and like kind of holding his own, man. Like kind of was giving me the business, like full court, <laughs> uh, pressure me. Um, and he's just so quick, but yeah, so that, that, those, those stories from future stars are fun, man. man. And I would keep those packets still just like, I probably still have them, some of them of the teams. Dude, I, between, I mean, we could go on forever with these future star stories. I mean, it was it was something like you said you would you'd always check the lineups to see who's on your team and, and who was out who was all there and then the next step was all right who's got who's got the sickest college basketball shorts on and who's got you know what i mean it's like that mm-hmm. was that was the prime time i remember um i think it was henderson had some sick florida shorts and had the jordan um which ones were the jordan 15s like white and uh, carolina on and it was just like all right let's go like this was that was fun man i I remember i think it was my junior year um i skipped all pre-prom um stuff that year to go down and play in future stars and drive back just in time to try on my tux and walk down the Mm -hmm. aisle so that's 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 where future stars rank though you had to go to those shootouts oh yeah oh i get it i get it so, well, good. So then um, you mentioned a little bit. So then obviously going into your senior year, um, playing uh, again, AAU, um, taking and probably, especially this now, your senior year, your big dog on campus, probably getting all sorts of skills that Coach K loved, loved to see you um, bring back to bring back to St. Ed's, right? Yes and no. <laughs> uh, I think uh, he kind of fought the whole AAU thing. And that was like, it was like a battle. Uh and, um, and, 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 you know, I came back kind of the bigger, big head thinking, you know, you know, I played in Orlando. I, should, you know, I should go. And so we kind of bumped heads a little bit, um, but you know, it's how it goes. Yeah. Right. It's, it's all part of it, but okay. So senior year, a couple games before we get to that state tournament run that I, I at least want to note or bring up. Um, first one, maybe a little bit, uh, a little bit staying on it, but seven overtime game against Garrigan. Um, Nelson, I have Nelson down for 62 points in that game. I think you had 59 and fouled out in what the fourth or fifth overtime, something like that. 
Um, but no, talk, no. <laughs> talk, talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, seven overtimes. I think I flipped on the radio and caught the last. I, actually, I think I might have caught all seven overtimes because I heard it was going into overtime. Mm-hmm. So I flipped on the radio and uh, yeah, got got to treat myself to seven of them. But walk me through that game a little bit. And and obviously, Brad, a, a baseball player, just hell of an athlete, just holding yeah. the too. Yeah, we held him to I think twenty eight regulation, and then the, and then he exploded in the seven overtimes. But uh, yeah, man, like that's the only game I've ever fouled out in my career, and I fouled out in the uh, let's see third overtime. They just right at the beginning of the third overtime, um, and uh, my my cousin went to the University of Iowa at the time. He was driving home for Thanksgiving break to Cherokee, Iowa. And he was like, he's going to stop and watch the game with my parents, like to watch me play in high school. And so he stopped for that game. The game didn't get over to like 1230. And he still had like three-hour drive after that. Uh, but it was crazy, man. We we had our like eighth, ninth, tenth guys playing the last like three overtime. We had a guy, one of my good friends, Joe Coleman, had, I think, 46. Um, you know, so for the rest of his life, if anybody asks what his career high was in the game, <laughs> they can say 46. Uh, but it was wild, man. It was wild. That, yeah, that was just a wild game. That's one that, uh, you know, obviously came up short in, but you'll never forget. I mean, seven overtimes, you try to explain that to anybody. And it's like, how, do, how does that happen? And if they know anything about the, the Garrigan St. Ed's rivalry too, it just adds to that story. Right. But um, one of the other ones that I got to bring up is, uh, is your game against Clarion Goldfield. Obviously Clarion Goldfield is not any good, but uh, you went out there and uh, dropped 24 dimes on them. That, uh, that's gotta be credit to your teammates there to be able to get 24 assists in one game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I had four points and I, I felt like I had a lot of assists uh, going into like the third quarter and I, and, or middle of third. And I was like, let's see how many I can get. And um and so, yeah, I mean, I had two guys that finished around the rim and I had two guys that were making crazy threes on the wing. And so I was just – and they were playing man-to-man. Um, shout out Chip Douglas, the guy guarded me. He went to Kirkwood with me. He was a good friend of mine. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I, I took more pride in, in, in making an assist and scoring. It was fun for me to, to make a pass to, like, one of our wings – and, and kind of run back on defense before the ball went in the, the hoop, you know, with that, just having confidence in those guys or seeing guys finish around the rim. It was a lot of, a lot of fun. Yeah, no, that was good. And obviously you guys put together a good regular season and then um, got into district play. What do you remember? Um, I don't have this in front of me. I have your guys' state run, but uh, who'd you end up beating in sub-state to make it down uh, your senior year? Garrigan. Garrigan. Okay. That's what I wondered yeah, if it was them. Yeah. So when, the, when that came out, um, the big team that we were worried about, I mean, Garrigan, we're, we're worried about too, but another, a team we hadn't seen yet was Garner Hayfield. And they had Wumkiss and, and Stromer. They were big. And that was something that we, we struggled a little bit with just against size. Uh, you know, not necessarily to score, but to rebound um, and defend. And so when Garrigan beat Garner, I think in the second round, uh, we were like, okay, we're probably going to have to pay them. 
Um, and it was, it was at Fort Dodge senior high packed and, uh, it was, it was a close, really close game again. Um, just a battle. It always is. And, uh, yeah, it was just, you know, like John Moss back. Is that a Moss back? Yeah. Is that his name? Yeah. yeah. I remember he came out for the starting lineup and, and did like the short alligator hand to Joe Coleman, like basically wouldn't touch it. Like, and so we're like, Oh, we hate these guys. Let's go. And so, um, that reset it off and it was just a battle the whole way. And I think we, I think we only won by three. That uh, you mentioned with that group, I mean, both Gardner and obviously Garrigan, uh, those teams were really good. Um, you know, you guys, uh, 2A, obviously playing in a 3A conference. I mean, all that stuff has to lead up to not only preparing you guys for the state tournament, but probably making you better and sharper once you get down to vets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the thing with us was that we were a really good team, but we weren't like a team that was just blowing people out every game. We had blowouts, but we had a lot of close battles, um, which I think ultimately was really good. Like we were battle tested. Um, and so in the state tournament, all three of those games were really, really close. You know, we were down in all three of the games. Um, and I think if we would have just played it in a conference where we rolled through it, we probably wouldn't have had that kind of toughness to, to play and not give up. And, um, and so that conference we played in really battle tested us for sure. Yeah, so then you guys get down there, um, have a little bit of experience from the year before. Uh, like you said, main core coming back. A lot of you guys are seniors, um, you know, with a couple of younger guys mixed in, coming through a battle-tested conference. You have North Cedar um, that uh, looks like you beat 48-45. What was, what was that first game like? Obviously, the first game, jitters, you know, trying to kind of feel everything out and figure you guys, uh, figure this um, game plan out. But what was that North Cedar game like your senior year? I mean, they were undefeated, ranked number one most of the year. Um, they had a point guard, Ryan Kedley, who was really good, really good athlete, really good player. Um, you know, that spring ended up, I think, having the number one 400 time in, in the country. You know, went to Baylor to run track. And uh, and so, again, we didn't know a whole lot. Like, tape, film wasn't really as prevalent back then. Like, we, we would get a little bit, but it was really hard to – to break it down. And so we were just kind of going and playing our, our style and, uh, and they kind of matched it. They were, they had a similar team. And so, um, they had a guy struggle at the free throw line. Um, I, I remember, and we had some guys that struggled, that struggled during the year at the free throw line that made all their free throws. And, uh, I think that was a big difference. And again, it goes back to just being, you know, being there, um, you know, act, you know, being there, being prepared and, and, and kind of acting like we've been there before it was a big sh- part. Shooting at those hoops with no backdrop is always uh, takes a little getting used to as well. Right. It does. I mean, you know, especially my, well, I guess senior year we had those square backwards. Junior year was the fan backboard. It looked like it was about five feet or five inches wide. It, you know, it was crazy, but, um, but yeah, it, it was, uh, it's an adjustment. And another thing, you know, playing in the state tournament, and I still see it to this day, that's an adjustment. For some reason, guys shoot NBA three-pointers because the lines are painted out there that they would never shoot in high school, in a high school game. But they get out there and they see they're behind that NBA line and they check it up. Um, and so that's kind of a, I don't know if it's 
you know, just if they see it in the corner of their eye or something, but um, you always see that, man. You always see these really deep threes being launched. They, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think it is that line. You just kind of feel a, see a line and you let it go. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're like, whoa, I, I, that's a long ways. But yeah. um, you bring up that point. And one thing I noted today, um, obviously state tournament getting started today. Um, I saw the picture. What, what are your thoughts on having the Wolves floor? Like, do you like it? dislike it indifferent i mean the fact that they why don't they have the actual wells fargo floor for the boys why do they bring out the the iowa wolves floor any any feelings on that i don't know i didn't even know they yeah so yeah i don't know i just i they've done it i know for a while and i just saw it today and i was and maybe it's fresh off of watching the girls play on the wells fargo floor but i'm like i I feel like i would want the wells fargo floor down you know at the barn we they had i know they put the different decals and logos on there it was the same for i mean this is the state tournament we're not this isn't the g yeah. league you know so yeah. you like the state tournament yeah so anyway just a, a little sidebar that came up but it's too uh, commercial it's too commercial now yeah right Jeez. um okay so north cedar um took them down and then rock valley uh what do you remember about the rock valley game uh similar you guys must have been on a trend let's hold them under 45 points because you won that one 49 45 uh what do you remember about the rock valley game uh, again, another battle. Um, a couple of things that I'll never forget that stick out. Um, I remember uh, early on in the first quarter, uh, I ran a pick and roll with our big guy, John Lewis. Uh, both guys collapsed, you know, trapped me. So I dumped it down to him, and he had, they rotated well, and he had a shot on the left side. Um, he's right-handed, so he shot it with his right hand on the left side, and he shot it a little long. And then Corey Bargfried, who had one dunk, you know, not a clean dunk, but one dunk um, during the year. And that's all I've ever seen from our team is that one dunk. Um, came out of nowhere and dunked it with two hands. Tip dunked it with two hands. And I, of those three games, actually in my basketball career, I had never been more excited. Like I thought I was like, I, I probably could have dunked after that. I was so excited to see that. It was incredible. Um, so that really set a tone for us, and and uh, and we 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 got hot in that first half. Um, and similar to the championship game, uh, we really went cold in the third quarter. Had a bad third quarter, lost the lead. They took the lead, um, and then at the end of the third quarter, I remember uh, they scored to go up three. Um, again, they I think we we're up like twelve at one point. So they really. Uh, took it to us that third quarter, um, which, you know, took a lot of the wind out of our sails. And um, they scored with about five, eight seconds to go. And I caught it on the run. I was running to the right side. I shot it um, three-quarter court. Uh, and I just launched it in the air. And I didn't even see it. And I didn't think it was going in. I thought I was short. And I was walking to the bench, and all of a sudden, I heard a bank, and I heard the crowd cheer, and, and I had made it from that far. Like I, like, I could barely get it there, all my strength, and uh, luckily made it, and um, the crowd exploded. We went to the time, we went to the, our benches, and came out for that fourth quarter, and our crowd stood up, and it was like, man, that, it was huge, because um, it gave us a lot of confidence, just a lot of momentum, and, and, and we were able to play really well in that fourth quarter. Um, and so I think a big part was that lucky shot I threw up. Didn't you make, didn't you make a half quarter in all three games or a, a deep one in all three games? Yeah. No, um, my, 
No, my senior year, I, or uh, Pella Christian, I did in the state championship game, and then against Cascade, my junior year. Okay. I made one, but I and I made zero, zero the rest of my career. Um, as, you know, buzzer beaters from Save deep. Them. So. Save so, them for yeah, the state tournament. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Uh, do you think those um, super nice, spacious locker rooms had anything to do with your guys' third quarter droughts, or what's the deal? Yeah, well, it's crazy. Like that game, our my against uh, Rock Valley, we had the big locker room. There's like a there is like a big locker room. Like we got like one, you know, <laughs> the the home team lockers, and then uh, the Pella Christian game. It was like a bathroom. Like Put we were like shoulder to closet. shoulder, like yeah, um, like sardines. But um, yeah, it's crazy. That's just that, those are like insiders knowledge of people that have made the state tournament that know about that little ass locker room. Yeah, absolutely. So then um, get past Rock Valley and find yourself in the championship game. A um, little bit of uh, revenge, right? So you guys get to take on uh, Pella Christian, uh, who you'd lost to the prior mm-hmm. year. Um, and what was a battle? I was in the house for that one. I remember watching that game. A uh, ton of fun. Yeah, obviously came out three point uh, on top, 64-61. Um, but uh, what was it like going into the championship game? Um, you know, some of the feelings leading up to it. And then ultimately the game, um, if I remember correctly, dropped 36 on them too. So you had yourself a night. But uh, what, do you, what do you remember about the lead up to it? Yeah, um, again, you know, I always go back to like growing up and like picturing myself in that game, you know, you'd shoot in the driveway and, and I always picture myself. And, and one part, one thing was, I was like, we're going to be on TV. Like, I remember thinking how cool that was going to be is, to be on TV. Um, and, you know, Pella Christian had lost in the state championship game two, two prior years that was lost both years, both times. And so this is the third straight state championship game. So they were, they were battle tested too. And it showed they had a huge, third quarter as well but um yeah but my thoughts were like you know our, our high school had never won a state title in a team sport period um so I, I thought that was going to be really cool if we could do it and uh we we're confident we were going to we could win you know just based off the game you know you know i think we went on if you just took the third and fourth quarter score of the, of the previous year against Pella christian we outscored them by like 10 or 12 and like we just felt really good about it um and like i said we're in that small locker room and we had to wait till the 1a game got over and it was new fonda versus maybe De- i'm not boy yeah Boyden i think it was Boyden Hall. Yeah. and it went to double overtime you know and so we were just like let's get this going but like i wanted to get out there um tear away pants on yeah yeah exactly <laughs> just yeah just is chomping at the bit to get out there and um we had a big first quarter which was huge uh we had guys you know john lewis our big guy scored our first two baskets i think it was great for everybody when he you know that he scored those you know his confidence and just everybody's confidence um and it's just man it's just a game i'll never forget like like it's a weird feeling i can i can remember maybe it's because i've watched it a bunch too but i can remember every single play like almost in chronological order uh it was just a a great experience and then you so you did hit was the end of the first quarter or when when was the buzz reader came in the first quarter um 
uh, yeah, you threw that one in. And so that had to be a good omen. You're like, okay, here we go. This is what got us going um, in the last game. And so then in the fourth quarter coming down the stretch, um, you'll have to refresh my memory on this. What was, what was it like? Obviously you guys got the three point win, but what was it like coming down the stretch in the fourth quarter? Mm-hmm. Well, I think we were up seven going into the half and um, playing well. And then third quarter, I, I think I was like one for six shooting or something. And, and none of us could really make a shot and they made a big run and they were up at, they were up, I don't know. They got up to 12 or 14. Um, there was a point with about five minutes to go. They're up 12. Oh, wow. I think, and it was, uh, it, it just wasn't looking good. You know, we were pretty much, me was forcing a lot, uh, almost panicking a little bit. I didn't feel panic, but I was watching it. It looked like I was forcing a lot of stuff, trying to get back in the game. And, um, and you know, when there's no shot clock, um, but, you know, it's really hard to come back from 12 in the fourth quarter. Uh, so, you know, luckily we were able to, to pressure and, um, you know, I've said this before, a lot of times when you pressure, um, especially late when you're down, it's not necessarily the pressure to get steals. Um, it's, it's more so to, you know, cause you're in the state championship. These teams are good. They're not going to turn the ball over, but it's more so to get them sped up, taking quicker shots than, than they probably should be. And it's really what happened. They took a lot of open threes that were kind of delayed breaks that, they were wide open, so they felt like they had to, and they missed, and we were able to get some bleak outs and and and, and get some quick baskets. And, and uh, man, I'm just so happy we were able to, to to get that win. I think one of the biggest misconceptions of pressing is that you're trying to steal it on every possession. It's like you said, it's just to get them to make maybe a decision they normally wouldn't make, whether that's yeah. a, a bad pass or whether that's a quick mm-hmm. shot or, or whatever it is. And so, yeah, that was. Um, quite the game and, and quite the cap on on what was a, a wonderful high school career for you. Um, obviously found yourself then on the all-tournament team, uh, captain, I believe, right? The all-tournament team, um, first team all-state, led the, led the state in assists that year. You mentioned how important that was for you to get your teammates involved, 255 assists that uh, year. And so uh, state championship uh, complete, high school season, career complete, everything hopefully that you wanted to accomplish in your career. Now what? So what does what does the recruitment process look like for you and um, ultimately your decision to play at the next level? Yeah. Um, I, again, I, you know, I was, I was about 5'10", 100 and probably 30 pounds my senior year. And I just wasn't really recruited. Like, you know, I thought I should be, and maybe I was, you know, the, Maybe I was wrong on that, um, but I just felt like the schools that were looking at me. I just I wanted, I just wanted something a little bit higher. And maybe I maybe I was reaching, but um, and then um, and so I, I thought maybe I should go to junior college because you know I just I'm so little. I thought I could really work on my frame and 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 go somewhere where kind of my dream was and. Uh, yeah, and so I, I did get a, an offer by Stephen F. Austin in May of my senior year, and they they had gotten a new coach and, and some guys transferred, and it was, like, really late. There, I mean, the school was, like, 10 miles north of the Mexican border, and my mom was, like, uh, you know, she was really fighting it. And, uh, and I had some D2 offers, like North Dakota, but they were, at the time, they 
um, and some other Dakotas. And I just thought for me, you know, I set a dream or a goal to myself a long time ago to play at Iowa. And I was just, I really wanted to, to see that through. And I thought, you know, Kirkwood was a really good team. Um, I went and watched him play. I was central and I thought they, you know, their coach was intense, but he on the de- defensive end, but he was also very free and allowed a lot of, of creativity offensively. And I was like, man, you know, I was intimidated. I was scared of him, but I was also like, maybe he can get me to the next level. And, uh, and, and they're really, and he's, they're really close to Iowa and he's good friends with an assistant, Greg Lansing there. And, um, and it just all worked out. It was, it was the best decision I could have made. I, I tell so many parents that I've talked to who have kids going through this now, like the recruitment and sometimes they want to like, they don't even want to, think about going juco like it's an insult or something and i always tell them like it it gives you two years to really figure out who you are it's you know you can get you can go into a bigger school with with you know you can get your grades up you know you could i just i couldn't um i couldn't have had a better experience like kirkwood the players i played with the, the friends i made um you know that weren't basketball players it was it was an important time in my life that that really shaped me and that coach you talk about is Wags, correct? Coach, yes. Yeah, your brother but, uh, played for him. Yeah, yep, yeah, my brother. Yeah. What do you think of uh, preseason conditioning for Wags? Yeah, it's so fun. I was actually thinking about this. I was, I don't know why I was, maybe because I felt so, I feel so out of shape. I was thinking about this like a week ago that, um, and I was really clueless. I didn't really, you know, like my dad was a big uh, influence in my life basketball wise, but he didn't play college basketball so he didn't really understand either um you know i you know i thought yeah i'm playing pickup basketball every day in the summer like this is my conditioning um and then i would get to kirkwood and it was like you know those that september august september uh sprints on the track and i puked every time i mean i, I puked every time I, i'd always go into it i think i was in shape but i wasn't and uh and it was, yeah, it was brutal. Yep. From what, uh, from what I've heard, that's a, that's a word that gets thrown around quite a bit about uh, the preseason conditioning at Kirkwood. But, um, you know, as you kind of mentioned, I mean, you mentioned coming in a little bit, maybe afraid of Wags, uh, just from, if you watch him, if you watch him coach, I mean, super, super intense, knows the game very well. But, you know, honestly, talking to him after games and stuff like that, most friendly guy you could ever meet. Uh, just a, mm-hmm. just a great all around guy and a great all around basketball mind. What did, uh, what did your time at Kirkwood either help you work on or, um, you know, help you realize maybe some flaws that you might've had in your game? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, well, first of all, you know, my coach in high school, incredible. He was an incredible motivator. It was, he got guys to play really hard and he got guys you know, to want to take charges, but we didn't really scheme wise work on, you know, where you're supposed to be on the floor, like shell drill to really know help side, you know, so I, you know, I would go to the point and I would just follow the guy over to the wing after he'd make a pass. And, um, and so when I got to Kirkwood, you know, I thought, I think my offensive game was, was fine. Like, you know, it was, it it transitioned to that level, but defensively I was so behind. I just didn't know. I just made it way too hard on myself. A lot of wasted movement. You know, just, it, you know, once you know the game in terms of angles, uh, where 
you could really limit the amount of steps you have to take and the amount of energy you have to exert, you know, just knowing help side where you where you need to be. Um, and that was one thing that it, it was a big learning curve for me. And, uh, and with, and with him, it was a lot of defense. We did a lot of defense in practice. And so, uh, so that was, that was huge. If I didn't have that, you know, I would have been so lost, you know, wherever school I would have gone to after that. Um, and so it was, it was great for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, funny, uh, just to kind of look back at that high school compared to college and obviously it's a different level, but you know, the, the amount of amount of things you learn and the amount of things that you're taught in college basketball is just, I mean, it's, in, mm-hmm. it's incredible once you think about it. Um, so at Kirkwood, how'd that, uh, uh, freshman season go? Um, obviously it ended well, uh, we can get into that here, but, uh, what was, what was, what was that like? Um, and then, the I guess, the tournaments and then, uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about Danville, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, Kirkwood was, uh, it was awesome. I had, you know, I, I mentioned before I went to watch him play Iowa Central as a senior, and um, I just wanted to kind of see what, what their players returning were like. I was like, man, these guys are big, fast. Like, for a second, I was like, I don't think I can play at this level. Like, I was really intimidated. And um, and so, you know, when I got there, they had a guy named Terrence McGee who was a sophomore, uh, and he was just—he's at—he's an assistant coach at University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee now, and he was just an incredible leader, probably the best leader I've ever seen basketball-wise. And he—he uh, he knew how to get guys motivated, but he was—he was very intimidating, um, but also very friendly and, and knew how to like figure guys out what made them tick, and kind of—he did that with me. Um, I think he pushed me a lot in the fall pickup games to see what I was like. And I remember one time um, we kind of argued over a call walking to get water and he was saying something and I said something back and um, I kind of got in his face. He would have killed me in four seconds, but I, so I wasn't even thinking I was just kind of lost it. I got back in his face. And I think after that, he, uh, after that, he really, uh, I think maybe respected me a little more. I think he just wanted to see. And so, um, so I had a great leader um, with him and then my roommate was David Gruber, who, who you played with. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, did you play with him? I can't. Yeah. Yep. He was yeah. there my, my redshirt freshman year. So he, man, he was incredible. So coming out of high school, he only had Kirkwood and like Iowa Wesleyan looking at him play basketball. Um, he was still trying to figure out like how to move and, you know, he had such just how to figure out how to walk and chew gum like he and and every day he got better and better and better and better um, with his post moves and um, we had a really good team. We won the conference, we won the the, the regional tournament, went played in Danville, um, and and it was a uh, it was an awesome experience. And and we I, man, we had some guys that we had two other guys play D two, and we just had a really good team. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about Danville, Illinois, but why do they have that national tournament in Danville, Illinois? I don't know. Do they still? They, they still do. And uh, gosh, I mean, there's honestly nothing to do in that town besides basketball, but that's the first time I've ever seen a drive through liquor store. Oh, in yeah. Danville, Danville, Illinois. Nice. So nice. If, if you ever need, need some liquor and don't want to get out of your car, got to drive to Danville, Illinois for all I know, I guess. 
Yeah, I remember we had we had a two to a bed. We had four to a room. You know, it's junior college budget, and it was like one of those where it's like you have the key to get in your room from outside. Yeah. You know, one of like you see in like movies. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, mostly scary yeah, movies. It was, yeah, it was tough. <laughs> it was it was, uh, it was an experience. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, well, obviously made made down national term and ended up winning that, correct? No. What we did what, what, uh, what did that look like then? Okay, so we played Johnson County, who was ranked one. They had a guy going to Cincinnati named Jimmy Hubbard, I remember, and they beat us by. It was a close game, but they beat us, and then we end up winning. The, I don't remember what. I don't even know if we played. So I, I think we lost. Uh, won one and lost one more. Um, and uh, let's see. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I don't think we even placed, Who, but, it, but we got three games down there. And you had some, so, and then your second year, I mean, you guys had some dudes, like you played with uh, Hanson was Wick there when you were there. Who else uh, was Wick was no. there for you? Yeah. Yeah. So was Eric. Okay. Um, yeah. So then the soft, my sophomore year, we had basically a brand new team. Pete Eggers, I played with. Okay. And uh, and a bunch of guys from Milwaukee. Um, I actually had a guy on our team, first name Al, last name Bert, <laughs> which was pretty cool. Uh, um, but yeah, Jordan Atchison. Yeah. Um, Jordan. Yeah. John Lopeholtz. Yeah. So so we end up losing a DMAC in the regional final that year. Um, so we fell short, but uh, no, we we're first or second in the conference both years. We had really good teams. Nice. And then obviously transition um, all the way to Iowa city, you know, the, the, the short with 10 or 15 minute drive there. How did that transition happen? Um, and then how was that experience in Iowa city playing with, you know, a lot of guys that, that we all know uh, here, here from the state of Iowa. Yeah, so I had, um, again, I had some D2 interest after my sophomore year. Um, and then I also, you know, I had, was lightly talking to, like, some D3 schools like Coe um, and Loris. You know, I just didn't, wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to play at Iowa, but I wasn't sure if that was going to work. I, I didn't know how to go about that. Um, and so I waited until the very end, like the late spring, and um, – and again, I, I mentioned Martin Brothers, but I, I grew, I got a relationship with Greg Bruner and Jeff Horner through Martin Brothers. And they were, you know, big time recruits that were getting ready to go to Iowa. And uh, I basically had them talk to Alford to see if there was a walk-on possibility um, there. And, and he said, yes, but he wanted to see me play primetime. So I really rolled the dice. Like I turned out all these other schools and I was like, I, I, I really think I, you know, I can prove myself on the floor. Um, and so it wasn't official that I was going to even go walk on it out to like June, uh, late June. Um, so that's how bad I really wanted to do that. I really, I really believed um, that's where I needed to go and, and um, enrolled in school without necessarily had a guarantee of playing. Wow. That's awesome. That's great. We, and we could maybe have uh, another entire podcast episode about primetime league too, but right. uh, <laughs> we'll hold, hold off on that for now. So okay. um, obviously Alford was there um, and you played with a couple of buddies, as you mentioned, what was the biggest uh, contrast between, between playing for coach Wags and playing for coach Alford? Alford? Um, a lot. There was a lot offensively, not, not as much as, as you 
you may think, you know, again, again, I, I think Wags sometimes people think sees the craziness, the antics on the sideline, how intense he got. Um, but really the only time that it was d- defensively, he gave a, he used to tell me um, if I could see the rim to shoot, he gave me the absolute green light to shoot. Um, and Alford's similar. Alford's an offensive mind. Um, but, um, but practices were a lot different. Alford's, um, and I see, I see value in both. Wags really wanted to have it two hours, uh, re- compete as hard as you can. We're going to get in shape. Um, and I really want to teach you defense, get guys tough and just have that instinct um, defensively. And then Alford was, he worked a lot on defense. He was a big defensive coach, but everything he did was based off, a lot of things he did was based off live action, um, whether we would just compete. So whether it's just like playing five on five full court or different drills in the half court, you know, no pass or no dribble five on five where you really had to work on cutting and screening, just different things like that, that he really emphasized. Um, and so, but their practices were like three hours, three and a half hours. And um, sometimes people would ask me like, you know, do you ever wish you could go back and, and go to a school that, you know, maybe you would have been the starting point guard and have that experience. And a big part of me wishes, you know, wonders about that. But one thing we did at Iowa that I really loved, it was, you know, I was playing against big 10 caliber players and every day, basically I was just playing pickup with like these guys, you know, and I, and it was just so much fun um, for me because practices were, I look forward to practice to be honest, because all we did was compete. Um, You know, instead of just doing drill after drill after drill, I see the value in that, but, but offered made practice for, for guys like me really fun. You mentioned one thing as far as uh, that opportunity to go someplace where you can play or, you know, someplace that seems like it's the right fit. And I know that obviously being a Hawkeye was a dream of yours and the experiences that you took from that were are everlasting. Um, but I think that's a good message to kind of to the young kids and the young athletes is that, um, you know, go where the fit is right, because maybe the fit is you playing more and going out to Western Nebraska and, and mm-hmm. getting some minutes, or maybe it is, you know, being around a bunch of guys in which that you can learn a lot about life and the game and get better, whether maybe you're just getting better and um, yeah. in practice or whatever it is. But it, it, at the end of the day, it's like you wouldn't trade your experience at Iowa for anything. Yeah. So yeah. would, would you do it differently? Did you have some killer in you and wanted to go get buckets? Yeah, but I bet you wouldn't do a thing different. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the big thing is, like, just don't mess with happy. And it's like, um, you know, I yeah, I get to watch Iowa play. Like, we talked about Iowa at the beginning of this. And it's like, I take a lot of pride that I was able to, like, be a part of that at a, at a you know, um, intimate level. Like, I know a lot of the people within the program. Um, and uh, even with, like, work, you know, I get to use that, you know, you know, you know, I'm in sales. I get to use that Hawkeye Cyclone. Oh, you got Cyclones on the wall. I played at Iowa. And it's just, it's just, I take, I have a lot of pride in that. And, uh, and you know, I, 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 w- I watch it sometimes and wish, you know, I would have done a little, some things differently. Um, but, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a dream that I had and, and I was able to kind of see it out. So there's, there's a couple big free throws in your Iowa career though, right? What's, which is kind of, maybe this isn't, but my question for you is what, uh, what's the experience or moment that you remember the most about being a Hawkeye? 
Um, you know, I, uh, my, so my senior year, my last year, um, we had, uh, Pierre Pierce on our team and he, uh, he, when he got in trouble and the second time and was off, off the team, we had about 12 games left and there was a lot, there was about 35 minutes there where he had to kind of figure out who was going to get that. And so I ended up getting, you know, like eight minutes of that, um, and, and that was an ex- uh, for about five or six games. And that was an incredible experience. Um, so you asked what stands out. Here's a couple of them. One um, is at Minnesota, you know, and this is why I hate Minnesota. And this is why I'll cheer against Minnesota forever. Um, Alfred put me in and um, late in the game, we're probably eight, seven minutes left. And, uh, they're shooting free throws. So I went on the second free throw and I was at half court during the free throws. And I was just kind of like you know, getting my mind right. Like I'm in this game. Like, and I just started to like gaze up and I, I, my eyes caught two adults, male, male adults in the crowd, like older than me now, like probably like mid forties. And they were just kind of like moving their head back and forth away, trying to connect eyes with me. And as I looked at them, both guys with both of their hands flicked me off. Like they were just waiting for me to look up. And that was like, that was, that was like, why would I check in? Like, I was like, these are gross men. So, uh, so yeah, so that was one. And I tell that story, people laugh every time because it's just ridiculous. Like I'm so nervous. I'm trying to like wipe my shoes off in this nervous way. And I'm like looking around, trying to act cool, like, like, that I'm not nervous and I see these chrome men flicking me off. So <laughs> that's, that's one that I will, I'll never forget. But um, for me, like my senior night was big. We played at Ohio state and I got to play like, I don't know, it felt like 18 minutes. It might not have been that, that long, but it felt like a long time. And, and it was an important game. Like we had to win to keep our NCAA tournament hopes alive. It wasn't like a charity case where he put me in as a senior with, um, and I hit a shot at the buzzer of, the first half um and which is which is big and um there's little things you know a limited amount of time that i was on the floor in my career there's little things that i'm really proud of um and one it was that game i remember thinking you know we're down we're tied with about 25 seconds left and we came out of the huddle and i remember going to horner and saying if they if they double you or if they pick you up hit me up like I wanted the shot and, and I didn't really like, and I, I'm just proud of that because I didn't have time to think of the moment or how big that was. Like, I just remember when my, when it came down to it, I, I didn't want to run from it. I wanted it. And I was like, that's something that um, I'll never forget. But, you know, again, Horner did not pass it to me there and he shot it. <laughs> he made it. Uh, and so he got the win, but, but yeah, it was, uh, those are some experiences. Right not the the first time that Horner uh, passed up a pass. Look me up. Guess, yeah, right? <laughs> he's all time leader and assistant when he finished his career, but he looked me off there. I'll tell you that. Yeah, man, tough, tough. But uh, yeah, cool, cool stories and cool. Um, you know, just from coming from two obviously college basketball players too. It's it 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 is those little things that you know you get from just being on the team. You know, you don't necessarily have to be a star. You don't necessarily have to play all all the minutes, but just mm-hmm. those little things um that you remember and could bring bring with you so that's very cool to hear um well we like to end our podcast here with a little section called rapid fire 
Um, and maybe a little twist to it this week too, uh, with Brian coming up with a little bit of a twist, but, uh, Brian's gonna ask some questions and just hit us with uh, what you think. All right, let's do man. it. All right, let's do it. Okay. First one, uh, this is probably easy, but we like to start with a little bit of a warm up. Um, the barn or Wells Fargo? The barn. hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Easy answer. Um, the favorite visiting high school gym that you played in visiting as a visitor. Yeah, um, Webster City. Jeff, uh, I think it was called Jeff Jim. Love yep. Jeff Jim. Um, yeah, that it was loud. It was hot. They hated me, particularly me, but our team, and I just loved it. I loved every part of it. Jeff Jeff Jim would have six people in it, and it would sound like there was six hundred. Yeah. Like it was crazy. You got that balcony on the top. Yeah, they all had the newspapers during the starting line. The first time I saw guys hold up newspapers <laughs> during the starting lineup, nice. I just loved it. Yeah, that was fun. Um, favorite favorite basketball shoe? Uh, the Nike Air Jet Flights, I believe. Okay. Jet Flights, yeah. Jet Flights, what year? Give me a throw out. What, roughly. So I, I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, around there. Uh, maybe yeah. later than that. Um, it a little strap. Steve Nash wore them. Okay. It was basically oh, like yeah. like. It's hard to explain. I can't find them anywhere. They were the lightest basketball shoe yeah. I ever had. They just fit like a like an aqua sock almost. Love it. Um, better career if healthy, Grant Hill or Brandon Roy? Who? Grant Hill. Yeah. I think Grant yeah. Hill was was the LeBron before LeBron in terms of just filling up stat sheets. Yep. Um, toughest guard in high school. Uh, well, I, I should say Brad Nelson since he scored 62. <laughs> Did you have to guard, um, I was, guard Brad, though? They no, I didn't. I, I, was, I was not our best defender. Um, <laughs> I, I guarded Dwayne Wade in, in AAU. Um, and at the time, he wasn't Dwayne Wade, but but he's still really good. And, and I'll always have that to say. Yeah. And maybe a close second, uh, fifth grade Sean Livingston then? Yeah. He, <laughs> see, he was right there. Um. Who's uh who's throwing it back? Obviously, you guys stayed champs uh, in two thousand, and so um, back then, who was a must-have artist on your playlist going in your senior year? Oh man, I was. I I uh, let's see, I listen in my disc man before the state championship game. I listened to a, a little artist named Twista, um, and he had the Speed Not Mobsters on his album, and I and I. Bump that uh, in the stands before before that game. I, I love the 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 disc man drought. That's that's yeah. right there. Just don't just don't bump it. That's uh, yeah, start over. Yeah. Yeah. Start song over. Had the bass boost and everything. I was ready to go. Oh man, that's great. All right, so if you're on, who wants to be a millionaire? Who who would your phone a friend be? Uh. Okay. Well, uh, nobody you guys would know, but his name's Griffin Carr. Um, I think he spends all his time. I, I called him Ask Jeeves during a vacation once where we a group of us went on because he had little information about everything. That's he perfect. Just, he, he must read trivia every day. That's awesome. You gotta have you gotta have somebody like that. So, all right, and then to finish here, just a um, a little segment: overrated, underrated. Um, if you really don't feel like you can say, if you can say it's in the middle or it's right rated, that's, I'm fine with that too, but overrated, underrated. Um, Taco Tico. 
I don't want to say it's overrated, but I'm not that I'm not like obsessed with it like other people from Fort Dodge are. Okay. Um, Dodger Stadium, most most specifically the baseball stadium. What do you think? Dodger Stadium, overrated, underrated? Under underrated. I think it's the best in the state. Dude, that that baseball stadium is pretty legit. So, um, Nas. Underrated. Was he? Uh, he was uh, had to make a few. He's probably more low key lyrics as opposed to pregame, right? Yeah, he was. I was a big fan of his, and, and I gotta give a shout out to my wife. Uh, she went to Hoover High, and when we first started dating, um, I played a Nas song, and she actually knew all the lyrics, and I was like. <laughs> I think I gotta marry you. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, the Jordan Tens, the the I'm back retirement accomplishments on the bottom. Overrated, underrated? Uh, overrated. Okay. Um, Tavern Pizza. Uh, underrated. Okay. It's great. It's a great spot to bring your family to, your kids. I agree. That's a good spot. And then um, the mid range jumper. Uh, <laughs> that's a tough one. Nobody shoots it anymore. Um, mm-hmm. but, but I'm going to say overrated. Okay. Um, analytics are telling you that or what? <laughs> yeah. Ask my, analytics, my, my analytics are telling me, uh, the percentage to get of a shot there to get two points versus the percentage to get a three point doesn't work. All right. Oh, that's great. Well, and then last one here to end on a um, little piece of advice that you can give to um, maybe some young players out there that, uh, you know, are trying to give them or their team an opportunity to play at the state tournament, um, play at the next level, uh, and just really take the most that they can from, from the game of basketball. What, uh, what advice would you give those listeners? Yeah. Um, one thing that really stands out, I talked about it, I think a few times in this, um, you know, there was times where, like I said, when I watched Kirkwood play or when I would go to Future Stars or when I played um, with like played up with like Kirk and Nick and watched those guys, a lot of times, you know, I was in t- I would be, find myself intimidated or I would be like, um, I just think confidence is so huge and that, um, you know, I would put certain guys or certain play schools on pedestals and I think you know, if I could talk to kids, it's like, there's a really fine line between division one and division three players, like a lot more, it's a lot closer in terms of talent. Um, not maybe not talent, but it's in terms of just being able to play basketball, uh, um, than I thought it was when I was growing up, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm probably a D three D two player in these division one. You know, when I got to Iowa, I thought these guys were way better than me. Um, and that's just the wrong mindset. Um, I think these, I think kids need to, you know, I'm not saying, you know, not be humble about their game, but, but to understand um, if you work at it enough and you play enough, you can, you can succeed against much talented, much more talented players. It's not that that line is not as, as far as, as some may think. And, I, and, I and that, effect, that that was one thing that affected me. I, you know, when I got to, I was just happy to be there. And I don't think that's the right mentality to have. Um, it's, you know, and so I think about that a lot. 
I, I think that's great advice too. And I think it's something where it really just kind of comes down to opportunities. Like you said, there's like, if you can play, you can play. And then it's a matter of, okay, here's your opportunity. And, and do you take advantage of it or not? Um, and so that just comes down to preparation, just be ready. So you don't have to get ready. And so perfect. I, I, I love that. That's great advice. Um, Jack, we appreciate you taking some time, man, and, and, and jumping on and, and talking hoops with yeah, for sure. heads and, uh, uh, you know, obviously looking forward to another state tournament run here this year for the guys to get an opportunity to get, make it down to Des Moines. But uh, as always, man, we appreciate you jumping on. Yeah, no doubt. Thanks, guys. It's, it's I love talking hoops, man. I appreciate you guys. Awesome. Well, we would uh, we'd love to have you back sometimes. We love talking hoops, too. And uh, cool. as Brian said, it was it was it was great to talk. Great to hear your story. Um, you know, from me, just kind of following it from an outsider's perspective. Great to hear some uh, insight there, too. But uh and as usual, to all of our listeners, we appreciate you. Um, everywhere you get your podcast, if you like what you hear, we appreciate a five-star rating. You can catch us on the social media, Shooters Touch on Facebook, at Shooters Touch IA on Twitter and Instagram, and our new website, ShootersTouchPodcast.com. As usual, shoot or shoot. Had a bounce back, was already in my mind. Hustling harder than ever before. Saying I change cause I like when I shine. The diamonds are different like Mike and his prime. I got the shooters touch. Can't nobody ball like me.